Hey everybody, welcome to AST Radio, the official podcast of a special thing.com. I'm your host. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Matt, your host. Uh, I, uh, am on location again, uh, in Venice, California, in the home of Zach Galifianakis. How's it going, Zach? Uh, very good, uh, Matt. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me here. Sure. Um, Zach is a comedian. Uh, if you guys don't know that, uh, and we're gonna get uh, way into uh, how he got started and what he's uh, what he's done and what he's doing now and uh, what he might be doing in the future, and now he's gonna eat a banana. <laughs> but uh, that's a little green, don't you think? I know, you know it is. Uh, can you just talk for a second? I'm gonna get a bit more riper. <laughs> he's going for a better banana. Um, I'll just quickly catch up while he's getting a banana. Uh, Zach it was on the Comedians of Comedy. You might have seen him there. He's on a new show on Comedy Central. It starts Wednesday, uh, June. Uh, what is that? The seventh. Seven. June seventh. Yes. Uh, Two thousand six. Um, Dog bites man. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, Zach, uh, you grew up in North Carolina, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, mountains, foothills. What was? What's the town? Um, the name of the town is Wilkesboro. Okay. And it's about a in the population around two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, moonshine town, uh, largest chicken pro- producing town, I think, in the world, or it used to be. Wow. Um. So you kind of grew up on a farm, is that? No, I didn't. No, I grew up in a, in a, in a house <laughs> across from a cornfield, uh, but mm-hmm. no farm. My dad owned, uh, gas stations mm-hmm. and he was a terrible businessman, um, and we used to go into his office, and me, my sister, and my brother, we would sing, There's No Business Like No Business. <laughs> and he would just sit there and die laughing. He has a really good sense of humor. <laughs> so uh, do you – that sounds like an early memory of comedy. I was going to ask, what, where, what do you remember uh, laughing at as a kid, or what do you think what, – what got you? My you cousins know? and my brother and my sister actually are really funny, and um, – uh, there would always be skits, sketches, spoofs um, in my house. So, you know, we would, my brother and I and my sister would get dressed up as, I remember getting dressed up as the uh, Ayatollah <laughs> and uh, doing sketches for my parents before they would go out at night yeah. and they would just sit there and laugh. Yeah. And um, so there was always that kind of stuff going on. It was a uh, pretty happy uh, upbringing, I think. Were you uh, the youngest? Middle child. Okay. Yeah. My sister is younger. My brother's older. Okay. Uh, and were you, did you watch a lot of comedy on TV or did you have records or what, what were you getting from the outside world? You know, I, I was pretty isolated actually. I, I wasn't, um, uh, we didn't have, I know MTV was not even allowed in my town. Mm-hmm. So there was none of, I mean, I didn't know any good bands. I didn't know, I mean, Huey Lewis was a pretty cool and DeBarge <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, John Cougar, Mellencamp, those were pretty, the extremes. Right. Um, but my, I had cousins that lived in the big city. So every time we would go to the big city, we were kind of exposed to, um, which big city, New York, Atlanta, oh, okay. um, Washington DC. But, uh, we were kind of the hick cousins that were traveling to mm-hmm. visit. They'd make fun of us that for that, but it was kind of funny. But, um, Comedy, my uncle had Cheech and Chong albums, and I remember listening to, I don't know which Cheech and Chong, but it was the Evelyn 
Woodhead sped reading course. <laughs> and it was really funny, and yeah. I remember thinking, "This is a you know, this is an amazing thing to do." But before all that, uh, I uh, the dude that came uh, that that whistled the theme to the Andy Griffith sh- Griffith show came to my <laughs> elementary school, yeah. and uh, he whistled for an hour. And I remember thinking as a kid. That guy just has, he just travels with nothing <laughs> and he goes and he makes a living. And I thought yeah. that, that is amazing. I mean, people were mesmerized by his whistling. <laughs> and, um, I remember how great it was. But unfortunately, after that, that assembly, uh, my pants were pulled down and it ruined, uh, <laughs> it did ruin the assembly for me. Todd fucking Holbrook, who later said, Todd Holbrook, who later said in, and when we were seniors, there was this poor kid that couldn't read. I think maybe we were seniors, and there was this poor kid that couldn't read out loud. Mm-hmm. He had a problem reading. The education system wasn't that strong. <laughs> and I remember um, this kid couldn't read. He was stuttering. And Todd Holbrook, the same kid that pulled my pants down, this bully, mm-hmm. yells out in class to this poor kid, What's the matter, boy? You got AIDS? <laughs> So, uh, in high school, yeah, I think it might've been like 10th grade uh-huh. and in his defense back then we didn't really know <laughs> what AIDS had in store for us, but, uh, yeah, Todd Holbrook or what the symptoms were. Maybe exactly. <laughs> was- exactly. What's the matter, boy? You got AIDS. <laughs> uh, horrible. <laughs> so, uh, so when you went to visit family, you would maybe get a, a, a little more exposed. Did you see stuff on TV or? Um, yeah, I mean, more so than that, I think it was, um, my, my family in general, like on my dad's side, like my grandmother was really funny, mm-hmm. but, I mean, really funny. She would uh, impersonate TV evangelist and she didn't speak English, mm-hmm. but she would do this Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and it was really funny. I mean, and we would all laugh. And then my cousins were were really we used to lip sync Earth Wind Earth Wind and Fire songs mm-hmm. growing up and videotape it and so it was more so just kind of like just being influenced by uh, what was going on in my own little world right and then later on when I went to like New York mm-hmm. then I was more exposed to to that kind of stuff but uh, I mean I used to watch Benny Hill with my dad and. I would just watch because he would laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, I don't know if I would like it alone. Yeah. But there's something about about being with someone and watching them like that to me is like I love doing it. We watch Benny Hill, and you know, watch Mash growing up and that kind of stuff. But as far as stand up itself, I wasn't that. I didn't really know that much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that much. And when do you remember, like, when you first became aware of it, or or like? Uh when you started to feel like, hey, maybe I want to do that? Um, I think, I mean, it was as far as specifically stand-up or... Yeah, well, also comedy in general. I mean, what, what, how old were you when you were kind of like... I, I mean, I, I think from an early age, I kind of knew that I wanted to, to, you know, make a living doing something, first of all, that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. My dad always told me to combine labor and love and as much, you know, as, as that sounds kind of cheesy but i really do you know he was miserable what he did for a living so i was very conscious to do to do that and uh 
So I think early on, I mean, uh, I just always, I went to college just because my parents wanted me to. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I hated it. I hated going to school, and I didn't want to be there, but I just did it to have something to fall back on. Where'd you go? Uh, North Carolina State okay. University, home of the Fighting Wolfpack. <laughs> right. Um, and then failed my last course by one point, and uh, moved to New York. <laughs> and didn't, didn't graduate. Never graduated. Uh-huh. No, no. <laughs> So, and then when you got to New York, were you just looking to ex- just just to live there? You didn't have any like. I know? went to to try to be, uh, to do the acting thing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, no idea. There was yeah. nobody from my hometown that, you know, I, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we, I, I went up for a couple of years, and then just drank heavily for, uh, and then. Uh, and then kind of, I met a girl in a bar, and she told me that, hey, you should try stand-up. And I said, okay. And then I tried it in the back of a hamburger restaurant in Times Square. And mm-hmm. then that specific moment, I knew that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. That yeah. specific moment. There was no question. Yeah. What uh, Actually, is that the – there's a video in the Comedians of Comedy film <laughs> – that, is that that actual? No, I didn't have any video of that. So Michael Blyden, the director of the film, just uh, he had some footage of me that I had given him, and that was no, that was in Vancouver. Oh, uh, Okay, so that wasn't even that. An old it wasn't. Clip. It wasn't that. It wasn't that old. <laughs> I am glad actually there wasn't that old of a clip. I, I, my material was uh, is a lot louder than I am. Well, I'm loud now. I don't know. I'll go in phases, but uh, <laughs> um, do you remember any of it? I might remember my first joke, which I thought was, uh, I, which is, um, this girl said to me, "You, well, we were drunk, and she said, Zach, when we were at her house, she said, Zach, you can just sleep on my futon, and I'll tell you guys what I told her. I don't sleep on anything that rhymes with crouton. <laughs> it's a really great joke. I don't know. It's really bad, but uh, it, it was okay at the time. Yeah. Did it get a laugh? It did. I did really well the first time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about two years after that, I didn't do well at all. I did well for the first time I did it, and then yeah. I bombed so much afterwards. Did you immediately start going up like a lot? or Every night. Every every night uh, go up. Um, I mean, unless I was working. Mm-hmm. But mostly just uh, would go. I remember like Leo Allen and, and uh, Eric Sloven, who are um, really good comics in New York. Who um, we would kind of do it together, and I remember standing on uh, standing on bar stools mm-hmm. with people. Their back was turned to us, so they weren't even listening. We were just telling jokes in front of a jukebox, and you know, just those kind of shows. Just, yeah. You know, but everybody goes through that stuff. Yeah. What kind of jobs were you doing at the time to survive? Um, I was a nanny. Um, I was a busboy. Um, I quit my nanny job to become a busboy at a strip joint. <laughs> and 80 Miles, who's in Dog Bites Man, with, right. he and I used to live together, and I lived in his closet. Oh, wow. And he was the cashier at the um, strip joint, and mm-hmm. I was the busboy. <laughs> and it, w- it was a miserable existence, and I had to wear a, um, a tuxedo to bus tables in. And Miles had lost $1,000 out of the register, so <laughs> um, we were getting ready to go to work, and he was getting ready to face the music. Mm-hmm. No food in our stomach. It was snowing outside. And I remember I was putting my cummerbund on for my mm-hmm. tuxedo. And Miles is tying his shoe, but he doesn't know that I'm listening. 
and I hear Miles because he has to go face the music about yeah. losing this. I hear him say this to himself under his breath, which he was not being jokey. He said, "This is worse than Bosnia." <laughs> <laughs> Bosnia was a, a hot topic back then, and uh, it was like the mid nineties. And uh, I looked at it, I was like, "What?" It was so funny to me. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So how how many years were you kind of uh, struggling and and going check to check? Um, a number of years. I mean, we, you know, um, I was pretty. Um, I mean, we were all kind of like just struggling for. Basically, I'd go do stand up. I'd make when I started making fifteen dollars a spot mm-hmm. in New York. I'd go. I basically lived at. And this is when I kind of would not nanny or bus tables as much. That was kind of being phased out. I'd go make fifteen dollars and basically lived off fifteen dollars a day. I would put five away for rent a day, mm-hmm. and then ten to about three dollars on two forty ounces, and then uh, <laughs> um, and then the rest was for food. And that was basically how we got around yeah uh three four years i guess mm-hmm. what what uh what changed it what do you what was the first thing uh i was a bus boy at a uh at the four seasons uh restaurant there's a four seasons hotel and a four seasons restaurant at the restaurant where i'm pretty sure steve forbes was making passes at me and i'm not joking <laughs> he would come in and i i, I don't know uh it used to be good looking let me tell you that right now man <laughs> And uh, he, I'm pretty sure he made, he kept looking at me. Anyway, uh, that was my last job where I had to uh, work. A regular mm-hmm. job was that. And then I got a um, what they call a holding deal from NBC. Mm-hmm. And uh, just from doing stand up, they saw from you. doing stand up, they saw me, and then they gave. And then I moved out here, and I was supposed to get some money when I came out, but it wasn't ready. And then. I was living in a van uh, right next to UCB Theater, mm-hmm. actually right next to it, wow. strangely enough. And um, then at the Hollywood Youth Hostel for a, just a few days. Mm-hmm. And then got my money and then got an apartment in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. So I was renting a car. After I didn't live in my van anymore, and I didn't have a car, and it still didn't have a home, um, I was renting a car f- here in L.A. from a guy in La Brea. Uh, who was repairing someone's car, but I convinced him he had already fixed this person's car. I didn't know that person, but he rented their car to me. (laughs) And that's uh, how I got around for a while (laughs) in L.A. I could just imagine, no, your car's not fixed yet. So they were waiting for it? Yeah, it's it's a tire. (laughs) Yeah, they were waiting around. I mean, you know, I I was desperate, so I feel bad for that person, but... That's uh, if only we knew their name, we could. Uh, I know we'd. I'd uh, buy them a new car, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a tank of gas. Yeah, tank of gas, yeah. or a couple. So, uh, so but nothing really happened with NBC out of that. Oh yeah, like, I got on a, uh, a shit com uh, called Boston Common. Oh okay, right. It right, just right. was just on it for you know a few episodes, yeah. and then, um, but nothing happened. Like no. No, you know, development of any kind of show or anything like that. That was Anthony Clark's show, right? That was Anthony Clark's show, did who, you, I, did, who I like a lot. Actually. Did you know him from stand-up? No, nope, never even seen us. Still to this day, I know Anthony. I've never, never seen really. him do stand-up. Nope. Huh. 
I guess he was before earlier. He sort of started in the eighties, right? Yeah, I think he was. I had never even heard of him, but uh, he was quite nice to me. Uh, and uh, and uh, well, I was going to say something really crude, but uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was uh, very nice. But um, so I was on that show, and then just kind of started over doing stand up, like mm-hmm. um, and you know, in a tr- in church. There was a place a couple blocks up the street from here. We would go perform in a church, mm-hmm. and then there was a art gallery we would all perform in, and then a bookstore, and then it kind of turned into a coffee house scene. And and the was it was that the what morphed into the what Van Sanders was doing? That's what Van Sanders was uh, responsible for. Like it would be people like Tom Sharp that was there, and Andy Kendler, and um, Martha Kelly, and uh, Elizabeth Bank uh, Beckwith. Um, Joe Wagner. Joe Wagner, who's really fat. Um, <laughs> um, You're gonna make me spit out my. Did orange you know juice. that Halliburton <laughs> is building Joe a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> is that for tomorrow night? It's a no bid contract for a meatball sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's for. Oh yeah, that's actually it's funny because Joe wrote that second part of the joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you're doing. We could interject that uh, you're doing a sh- this uh, on uh, June 6th. There's a benefit show for um, Vance Sanders, who has been running uh, various shows uh, in LA for a long time and yeah. Uh, yeah. helped a lot of people out. Not quite convinced that he has a prostate problem. <laughs> so maybe part of the show will be finding out. Yeah, to about a- I may. I may ask him questions about it. And, yeah. You know, be very skeptical. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know, Vance. Doesn't sound like anything that that drastic. If you want to see Zach uh, question Vance about his prostate, I think that's at the Westwood Bruco in mm-hmm. Westwood uh, on Gailey, I think. Gailey. <laughs> <laughs> Gailey. <laughs> that's rich. Uh, so, uh, and then I don't. I, we can jump ahead a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, Late World with Zach mm-hmm. uh, was maybe your first big uh, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Your first misstep in me- uh, one of many, but uh, yeah, one of many, yeah, exactly. Uh, it wasn't my first, I'll tell you that. Uh, and I don't even consider it that big of a. Um, no, we're we're kidding. It was uh, if people didn't don't remember, uh, this was VH1 wanted to have a late night talk show, and uh, what they they'd seen you around town doing comedy or yeah, I think I think they their uh, reason they wanted me to do it was because I played the piano and I wanted it like a music type mm-hmm. of connection with it and mm-hmm. uh, they asked me to do it and i said okay i mean i really didn't know anything about it and then we came and shot a test pilot at the, on the venice beach boardwalk and and it just kind of went really fast we had like a month to put it up mm-hmm. and um I, I didn't realize that i was the executive producer on it until it was too late i really didn't i didn't even really? think about it. like oh wait a minute i'm the boss yeah and then by the, that time, I realized it was a little bit too late. Not that I would have made anything better at all, but um, so it happened really fast. I didn't um, really know what I was doing. I was eating a lot of pot cookies at the time, <laughs> <laughs> which is detrimental. Um, but uh, and and Tommy Blacha, who is uh, one of the writers for Conan, came mm-hmm. in, and originally it was uh, Vance DeGeneres, who's Ellen's brother, was the writer. Mm-hmm. He was a very pleasant man. Um, and then Tommy came in, and, um, you know, we just kind of had this well 
I haven't seen that on television. Let's try to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was part of it. So I think it became – there were uh, times when I was like, oh, God, damn, I hope no one sees this. But yeah. then there were a couple of times like, okay, yeah, I mean, as long as we – I really wanted to make fun of celebrity, and VH1 did not – they actually put a list up mm-hmm. in the office – do not make fun of Cher. <laughs> of all people. Cher, uh, the Goo Goo Dolls, uh-huh. their their playlist, I guess, mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, it was just bizarre. It was just kind of a, a bad match. But um, then we started making fun of VH1 and started kind of bad-mouthing them, and it got kind of okay. But I was so disinterested in uh, interviewing celebrities, that, mm-hmm. and that was their whole thing. They wanted it to be... I mean, I didn't care. I mean, yeah. now, I mean, and then plus I was bad at it. I was not very good at interviewing. I just, because I, I mean, Jason Priestley came on. Yeah. Who you later worked with. Uh, and thank Colin. God he did not remember. Um, <laughs> he, my interview was so bad with him. I said, well, we have to go into post and change this. Uh-huh. So we went into the post and um, all we did was just, it was just my thoughts <laughs> about when <laughs> when he was talking, and we just completely slammed him. Uh-huh. Uh, but that kind of stuff, like I would love to do again. That yeah. to me is really interesting. But uh, you know, who needs that now when there's best week ever? <laughs> Did uh, well, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure that's their thinking. Um, yeah, exactly. What uh, other than the list uh, of, of celebrities you couldn't slam? Were, was VH1 kind of on board with with the the? kind of show you were making or was it a lot of resistance or they had no idea what they wanted i mean i i i, I mean they would tell me look to, i mean they i didn't they were nice they were nice and mm-hmm. people but i don't know i think one of the head guys left and then that once the new person came in they're like i'm not putting up with it this show is not uh doing that well mm-hmm. and you know if people aren't watching it does it really matter uh I don't remember them being that uh, – I mean, not to me they weren't. I'm sure they were saying stuff behind my back because right. that's the nature of the business. But I. Uh, but they weren't giving you a lot of notes every day like, try this, try this. Um, they may have. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't – I don't think – I mean, I'm sure they did. I'm sure I didn't – I'm sure that there was a memo or something. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure someone said, Zach, you need to take a look at this. And I'm sure I – did not take a look at it. <laughs> I mean, once you start getting these, um, I mean, it's just old hat. I mean, every, it's almost, it's very passe, I think, to even talk about it. But, like, it's, these people, they don't know what they're doing. They, they, I didn't, I don't admit I don't know what I was doing mm-hmm. either. But these people that, in the network business or whatever you want to call it they 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 uh they have to justify their job some way and they have the, so they they put in their two cents and sometimes i guess it's okay uh oh oh hold the microphone closer to my face thank you <laughs> but then you know i don't know i i it was uh it was fun while it lasted it was a lot of there was a lot of laughing there was i mean tommy blotcher to me is the funniest person one of the funniest joe wagner uh Slept on the show. I was going to say ride, wrote on the show, but that's not true. <laughs> he slept in my office, but yeah. it was so beautiful. Karen Kilgariff, yeah, who's now um, head writer of Ellen. Right? Yep, yep. Uh, who Ellen DeGeneres um, 
well, I won't tell, I won't tell that story. She wanted me, she almost got me kicked out of her show because of the way I looked and I refused to dance. <laughs> yeah. No, you gotta tell it now. Uh, I went, uh, to, uh, Quinn and I went to, um, the Ellen DeGeneres show. I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we went and, um, you dance for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an hour. A, a, fr- a frisbee could come out and entertain people that are whooped up like that. An inanimate object, like a stapler, could come out and people go nuts because you dance for an hour to cool in the gang. And uh, I, I just did not want to do it. I, I did nothing against her. When was this? fall i guess i can't remember a few months ago and uh so ellen has a camera in her dressing room so she can watch everybody you know probably you know pick out who she wants to interact with and Mm -hmm. so she sees me and i had a giant beard at the time and a very disgusted look on my face (laughs) and she she's told security this is all through karen kilgariff she told security like who is that guy? I want him removed. <laughs> and uh, I thought so you Karen, meant you were a guest on the show. No, no, God, no, no. But uh, then Karen came out and told me she was so delighted to tell me. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I can kind of understand. So did you then dance after? Nope, I didn't dance. I, I just can't. I first of all, Matt, I'm a freestyler dancer. <laughs> I don't. Um, no, I just couldn't d- dance at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a little window into that show for people. I mean, I didn't realize that they they force the audience to do that. Well, they, I don't know what the, I don't know if it's forcing them. They're just they're well, so you get happy. kicked out if you don't do well, it. Well, right, that's a good point. I mean, they're so happy to be there. These you know mm-hmm. these people that are right. you know, um, and uh, but yeah, dancing. You know, anybody could you whip any kind of crowd. And my friend said this to me. He said. And my friend Jody said, when I watch the Ellen DeGeneres show and see how crazy people are to see her mm-hmm. in the audience, I see how Nazism started. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean. And listen, I think she's, I think she's, I really like her. I think she's funny. I, I just, it's, it's, um, it's it, just funny to see that, it's the, that celebrity worship yeah, that I, that, that I have a real disdain for. Right. It's the same thing with Oprah. Where she'll just give something away and yeah. people lose their minds. Uh, but let's get back to you. We don't need to talk about those useless, <laughs> enormously successful people. Uh, so the the show, the VH1 show, lasted maybe three months. Is that about right? It lasted, um, I think, 42 episodes, something like that, which was mm-hmm. every night. We did it every week night so whatever that is week uh well, yeah i think two and a half three yeah. months it wasn't um yeah it didn't last long did anything did, did stuff come out of that though i mean you were on tv every night every weeknight that people must have been seen i mean some people must have seen you at least in the industry no one was watching it zach but maybe uh, someone yeah, must have no nothing really i mean it kind of came and went it really was not um it didn't really uh do anything it just was it just kind of happened, and then I was like, "Oh well, what's, it, what's the next?" You know, I, I kind of went back and did, started doing stand up, mm-hmm. you know, regularly, and then and you've been doing maybe movies here and there. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, yeah, no, actually, I think I hadn't done a movie after. Uh, I haven't done a movie in a long time. Uh, but um, when was Out Cold? 
that was <laughs> that thing was uh I bought this house. <laughs> uh, that uh, movie was in 2000. Okay. 2000. Okay. Yeah, so 2000. It, was right, it was after that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it just kind of phased out, and then, you know, you kind of start over. It, I think I was a little bit uh, maybe – I was relieved. It was a lot of work. But mm-hmm. then you're, I think you're kind of like, uh, oh, maybe – I think that might be seen as a uh, – a, um, a bad spot and that it's hard to dig yourself out of that like well that guy we tried a show with that guy mm-hmm. and it didn't do well so you just keep doing it i mean I, i'm really stand-up is the thing i enjoy the most i, I tv you know, will come and go but stand-up yeah. i really like well I, I guess executives might look at it that way that like oh that might be a negative but um i'm sure like i, I feel like anybody creative would have looked at that and said well that could have been letterman if it had if, if it had just gone on or that could have been conan uh, well yeah i mean the la times wrote a, a thing about it saying it before it got canceled that it you know was what early letterman was doing which i was very happy with mm-hmm. and there were there were a couple of things starting to be written about it but it just didn't it just didn't last it just was uh bad timing and, and plus i could have been probably a little bit more professional and, uh, you know, if I'd played that game a little bit more, maybe I would have, but it was hard to fake it. I just couldn't, I mm-hmm. couldn't fake it. So, yeah. but, it, but it also sounds like it wasn't really what you wanted to be doing. Like you didn't want to do inter- you didn't want to be an interviewer. I did only if we could mock it. Right. And, um, I remember saying to someone afterwards, after I was trying to do another show, I was like, I uh, had a meeting and I was trying to do another talk show, but much more in my, the way I really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, well, what if we can't get guests for your show? Like you had trouble getting really good guests. for?" I said, well, I'll interview a pencil. <laughs> I mean, what it's like to be a pencil in Hollywood to me is more interesting <laughs> than, uh, you know, the woman from Joan of Arcadia. Right. Was that, is that a show? It is. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know if the helicopters are picking up, but there's a real problem in this neighborhood. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> you weren't kidding. No. No. Uh, God, here we go again. Is it you? Just no. T- just tell I mean, me now. I, 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 sometimes I do think that maybe <laughs> maybe there's a, a real a cop that has a real sensitive nose to pot smell. <laughs> Oh, good. They're moving on. Yeah. There, just for the, the listener, there were actually two cop cars right outside the house for a minute there. It used to be a bad. I mean, it's it's fine now, but it used to be. There's a lot of heroin a block or two down. Mm-hmm. Been there for like 25 years. Heroin house, heroin house. I don't know what they're called, but the yeah, well, flop house. Flop house. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Either. I don't either. But uh, <laughs> that's better than heroin. There's no such thing as heroin, <laughs> heroin house. <laughs> no, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> That sounds like if it was spelled differently, that would be like a, a sorority. Right. Or where, like, Supergirl lives. Yeah. <laughs> right. Supergirl and Wonder Woman and... Uh, What's Spider-Man. the other? Uh, Isis. Isis, yeah. Yeah, I liked her. These these guys... Oh, I forget we're doing a radio. No, no, no. Let's... Those guys across the street uh, moved in. They're, I think they're Arizona State frat boys, and I bought <laughs> yeah. some eggs... Yeah, because uh, they make too much noise at night, and I don't know how to. I don't want to be the old guy, yeah. like knocking on their door, going, uh, "Hey, look, 
you've got to cut this out. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't want to listen to 311 blasting out of your... Uh, and uh, But I bought some eggs just to throw at their cars. <laughs> nice. I haven't used them yet. Let me paint the picture. There's a guy with no shirt, baggy <laughs> pants, and an, a, a soft cast on his arm. And on his cell phone. <laughs> on his cell phone, strolling in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, I and think he's probably telling somebody, that, yeah, there's helicopters. <laughs> no, I think he's like, man, you're not going to believe it. They're doing a podcast across the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is kind of, he keeps looking in here, but he's pretending like he's not. <laughs> uh, should we invite him in? No, please. <laughs> I want to hear what he has to say about late world with Zach. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got. Uh, well, maybe he does. I mean, he does have his shirt off. He probably did watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the problem. Too yeah. many shirtless cell phone guys. Uh, so you went. You just went back to stand up, and and were, you were just doing your thing. Uh, I guess um, here's one thing. Uh, maybe people would wonder. Did did you? Do the road ever as a comic? Uh, did you did you make a living doing stand up um, exclusively? I I I do I do now. I mean I do yeah. colleges, right? But as far as comedy clubs, I would go up to San Francisco and I would go to Austin, and then I mean I've done those bad rooms. I just don't I don't like it because uh, because I'm not good at. It. I'm just not that. I get I my confidence isn't that mm-hmm. strong. And uh, and that's bad because listen, there's people in in you know Boise and all that stuff that would you know appreciate it. I think, but I don't know. I just I just. But they might not be coming out to the clubs that you would be performing at. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's that it's that whole thing that uh, I think Patton Oswalt made a good point of is that people just go com- go to comedy because they're like, oh, let's go to a comedy show. They don't look into it. They don't right. you know they don't know if it's going to be Sinbad or. Um, I mean, they would know if it was going to be Sinbad, but... Um, <laughs> How could they not? You know, I, I just... Uh, I've stri- I've stayed away from it, I, I think, yeah. because... Uh, well, to be honest with you, I could afford to, I think. I, I think mm-hmm. maybe that had something to do with... I, you know, you you have a little bit of pocket change. You don't have to go out right. as much. Right. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. I only, I only like to do things that I enjoy. Yeah. And that's kind of like going back, like you were saying about your dad. Uh, it goes back to your sort of whole reason for getting into it, right? Right. I mean, yeah. If I, you know, I, it's if it's hard to do, or if I'm not enjoying myself, or it's too stressful, I just I'm not into the keeping up with the Joneses mentality of really pushing yourself. Right. Uh, and speaking of Patton, that is sort of uh, somewhere along the line, maybe a few years after Late World, uh, you got involved with the comedians of comedy. Uh, did Did Patton come to you with that? Patton uh, called me um, and said, hey, kind of have this idea. Do you want to come to Georgia mm-hmm. and do um, this club in Athens and then this club in Atlanta and then this some other place? Oh, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We're going to do this test thing. Oh, Brian Posehn couldn't do it. That's what it was. Oh, okay. And Brian pulled out in the last second, and then he asked me to do it. And I said, mm-hmm. I would absolutely love to do it. Uh, so then we just took one camera i think mm-hmm. and kind of did a test thing of like what it's like to do and michael blyden came with you. michael blyden shot it um and that was basically it and then he he built a little 20 minute i don't know how long it was and mm-hmm. gave it to someone and then they got funding for it and then that's how it happened mm-hmm. and that to me was the most i mean i really i don't uh, i don't know if i've really told Patton how much i appreciate it but he really uh, 
well, now that I think of it, just simply Brian backed out. <laughs> yeah. How, how appreciative should you, you know be? You I don't forget it. Forget it. Um, no, but, uh, it was, it was, it's, it, that was so much fun to do. And it, you know, the movie, when we only, it only took 10 days to do. And, yeah. and, and I think it, to Michael Blyden's, um, uh, credit, he really is a good editor. And I think he knew how to, um, put stuff together that, kind of made sense well for one thing uh just you saying it was 10 days he made it feel like a bigger thing than just a little 10-day tour it, it really feels like uh for a very small personal movie it's, it's kind of epic in the sense that you guys travel a long way and you cover a lot of ground just in in the conversations that we get to see in the movie yeah um, i mean it was you know some people don't like it but uh uh it's not for everybody i mean it's uh and the TV show, I I like the TV show too, but it's hard to watch it because it's in twenty two minute increments yeah. and it, it doesn't have that build right. that perhaps the um, the film had. Excuse me, movie. <laughs> Did you? Uh, you might not mind if I have some rosemary, do you? Go ahead. <laughs> um, what did you? Uh, what did you feel about like? Well, the movie came, you did the movie in like two thousand four, right? I think so. Yep. And, yep. and it was like a year later that you went out to shoot the TV series, something like that. Yeah, I think so. I'm really bad with timelines, but I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but and in the meantime, you know, people saw the movie. Was there any? Did it feel different going back out again after? Well, you had seen the movie for one thing. All you guys had seen it and knew what what it was going to be, what you might end up looking like. Uh, I assume they that you were happy with how you were depicted, but it does it change how you act knowing? Having seen it, yeah, I mean, sometimes I felt like God, this is boring. I've got to, we got to juice this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but it was pretty organic. I mean, it, it, you know, I would pull my pants down uh, if there was not a camera on me. I would, <laughs> you know, there was a scene. T- there's something in the TV show that I specifically told Blyd not to put in was me. With my mangina, which I don't know if you <laughs> remember or saw that, but it just—I was like, please do not put that. And um, but it was in there. But um, yeah. you know, you get used to those cameras being around. You mm-hmm. you really do. And then and then there's also a lot of uh, spirits, uh, drinks, right? Which lubricates the situation. Which you know, um, but. Those comics are really funny people on their own. I mean, Maria Bamford. I could I, Maria Bamford to me. I could just I could follow her all day, and yeah. I don't think I've ever would tell her that face to face. And Maria, if you ever listen to that to this, <laughs> um, she to me is just so cool to watch. Yeah. Um, and Brian and Patton are just gigantic seven year olds. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more gigantic than the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, and it seems like in both the, the film and the TV show, um, you guys did a fair amount of, like, sort of on-the-fly sketch making. Like, it wasn't, like, there are no sets or anything, but, but basically you guys would have an idea, it seemed like, and then you would just go out and shoot it, and that became part of the show. Yeah, in the movie, there's the uh, this broken chair thing, <laughs> right. which uh, I still haven't seen the making of, uh, but... Um, yeah, I think we just had this idea for to do this really serious talk, but this chair just kept 
keeps keeps breaking. Right. Um, it, well, in the make, I have seen the making of, it, and I can tell you, there were a lot. There was a lot of trial and error to get the collapsing of the chair. Yeah, there was a lot, there. and I mean, I had my arm was all skinned up and everything. Um, but um, yeah, that was just that was. Uh, I remember eating in a diner, and I remember saying to someone, I, "Will you buy me a chair? I have an idea." So they went to a thrift store and got me a chair, and then we went and spent the night on some lake that night, yeah. and that's how it that's how it happened. And yeah, there was none of this uh, sit around and think about it, which to me is so much more fun because mm-hmm. the sitting down and writing is very tedious and. Yeah. Uh, it's fun just to kind of come up with stuff and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. It feels like, uh, maybe the, uh, the way that, that you can make shows like that on, on just with, with uh, digital video and stuff. Um, you almost don't need. Like I, th- I think you know, writing comes came out of well, we have this expensive equipment and we have to get a whole crew, so we have to know exactly what we're doing. You don't need to know what you're doing anymore, so it's like you cut that part out of it and you can just get right to the creativity. Well, I, I think you're right, and I, it, and to add to that, I think that the system, as it was known, um, uh, of um, casting someone mm-hmm. and doing all that and getting a, a like you said a crew together mm-hmm. and. And you just don't need that much anymore, and you can just go do it yourself, which yeah. is very exciting. Yeah. To just take a good, you know, a good camera, mm-hmm. and anybody can, you know, it's nice to have a good editor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you just don't need it. You don't need that. People can do it themselves now. Yeah. As I say it on a podcast. <laughs> and you actually have, uh, speaking of the comedic comedy movie, which was released by Netflix, you have a. Uh, a Netflix concert film coming out. I have out. a concert film coming out. Um, I'm not sure when it's coming out. Um, Michael Blyden shot it. Mm-hmm. And we shot it at the Purple Onion in San Francisco. And um, uh, it, it's... I don't know if it's good. <laughs> okay. uh, um, I'm sure that it probably people will like it. But I am. Uh, I saw some of it. I'm like, what was I doing? But uh, it's very... Um, energetic it's not very low-key at all um so is it one is it one show one performance or did you cut together uh, i think they cut together a couple of shows i don't know i don't know i don't know Uh, yeah they did two shows or something like that Uh um and then we did um an interview with my twin brother and then which brian unger did uh from npr right um your twin brother seth seth and uh who's a high school football coach for people who don't know he's, right. he's been on kimmel uh exactly so he, we interview him and then joe wagner and i just take my van up to san francisco and then we camp out for the night and so it's just kind of a mini little let's go up to san francisco and shoot this mm-hmm. um blyden uh actually i'm very happy with it i didn't mean to be, I'd be so self-deprecating but um <laughs> it, i've seen it. it's pretty uh it's pretty funny so is there <laughs> there's some there's some parts in it where uh I was just like oh god there was this I was drinking this thing at the time called um it's like a a a a, a, a weaker version of absinthe mm-hmm. called I can't remember what it's called but it's uh, uh you can have some more of that um it's um you can have the rest it uh is uh and and I don't remember any of 
one of the performances, which is really bad to say. But uh, anyway, we uh, glued it together. It looks quite quite good. Mm-hmm. And it should be out, I think, in August. So there is, are there, there's more than just stand-up. There's going to be a little bit of... Uh, yeah, there's a... There, the, there's a on-the-fly uh, sketch stuff. There, we went to the Michael Jackson trial because it happened to be going on, but none of that's in there, I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, and um, just an interview with my brother, which is uh, really, really fun. Yeah. Cool. So, But the big thing that's happening, well, we mentioned before, uh, you did you did a show with uh, Dan Mazur. Dan Mazur, yeah. Who was a co-creator of the Ali G show, mm-hmm. or Da Ali G show. And uh, this it's called Dog Bites Man. It's coming out on Comedy Central on Wednesday, June 7th. Uh, what is it, 10.30 p.m. or something? 10.30. Uh, people can find out where it is. There's huge billboards all over the place. So. <laughs> is that your mailman? Yeah, this is a mail lady. She, listen, listen to the mail come to the door. Oh, I love that sound. That was it, you guys. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to get mail at Zach's house. Uh, so uh, d- this is another thing where there isn't, there wasn't writing. It was you basically improvised, but you probably rehearsed a lot. Well, we actually we started off improvising it uh, in the writers' room a lot, and then mm-hmm. it kind of evolved into writing, overwriting a lot. Which uh, we would go uh, go to an office from, you know, for seven hours a day mm-hmm. and just sit there and say, "What if?" And okay. what if we go to a KKK rally, which yeah. we did? What if we... Um, Let's explain the premise of the show real quick. It's yeah. uh, You guys are a, lo- a local news team that went around and purported to be a real local news team and did stories with people who didn't know that you were actors. And uh, But there's a storyline. There are storylines woven through each episode with you and... Uh, who else is on it? As you said, eighty miles is on it. Eighty miles, Matt Andrea Walsh. Savage and uh, Matt Walsh, right. um, and um, yeah, there was a narrative. So we we didn't want it just to be an interview show. As a matter of fact, I wish that to me the interviews were not my most favorite parts because mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, the Daily Show does that, and yeah. I wanted to. We wanted to, especially cast wanted it to be more narrative, and I think I think we got uh, somewhat of that, and. Uh, so it's basically it's a documentary, except four people in the documentary are not real. Right. I think is a good way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's part prank show. And yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to say prank because we. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the edits, so mm-hmm. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. But um, I wanted to look dumb. <laughs> I wanted to look. Yeah. All I really wanted people to do was just give me a, like, what is he doing? <laughs> look. Yeah. Um, Does that kind of come out? Sorry to interrupt, but uh, I love the thing that you do on stage sometimes where the, um, <laughs> what is that, a camera? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Explain, no, explain that thing because your friend kind of started that. Uh, no, he stole it from me. Uh, uh, Tommy uh, Blacha did this. Um, when we first met Tommy, who was a writer on Conan, then he and I worked together. Uh when we first met, he had a porcelain puppy on his desk, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he didn't know me, and I didn't know him. And I said, uh, "Can I ask you a question?" He's like, "Uh huh." Like, That's not a real dog, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and so, from there, he and I became. He actually made it much funnier, where he would um, take it to this other level. Mm-hmm. And one night, he was spending the night at my house. 
and I had uh, at that time was in a two bedroom place, and I had paper thin walls, mm-hmm. and we had to be up early the next morning, and um, so the, the, oh, the cadence of the the question would mm-hmm. be uh, involved into like. Uh, what am I answering the phone or something? <laughs> like that's right. how I would answer the phone when he called me. Yeah. So uh, it's just the dumbest guy in the world, and um, and you would do that on sets too, right? Like you- yeah, when I when I would first get a job on like a movie thing, I would walk up to the camera guy and go, uh, uh, "What is that? A camera or something?" And he would look at me like, "Who? What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> so Tommy, one one morning, he's laying in uh, my guest bedroom, and I was up. But he didn't know I was up, mm-hmm. and I hear him kind of, kind of the bed's kind of moving around, and you can tell that he's waking up. And then uh, he just says to himself, uh, "What am I awake or something?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And uh, so anyway. Um, yeah, my the character that I do on this show uh, is really dumb. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had written stuff like I, he didn't even know what a period was, <laughs> but I got that got shot down, which I didn't. I still to this day I'm kind of upset that that I, I thought it was really funny that I could not. I had no conce- no idea. Yeah, like yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but then um, I then it kind of came a little softer where. I'd never heard of the movie Star Wars. Um, I mean, he's really, really stupid. Um, So it is that kind of dumbness that I wanted people to, you know, react to. Mm -hmm. So you got into some trouble, uh, and I'm sure you're going to be talking about it a lot now once the show comes on. Because uh, obviously when you go into situations where people don't know uh, that you're actors, uh, some people aren't going to be happy about the fact that they they were duped or whatever uh what's your reaction to that like if, if reading do you have you read any of these articles where people were i'm kinda... all for them being upset actually yeah. i doesn't bother me yeah. uh, good for them yeah. i mean if they want to if they have time and they were like uh, we're criminals that are not breaking the law to quote a my morning jacket song um uh we have fancy lawyers behind us and yeah. uh, you know we are kind of screwing with people but i think when they do see it they will be, they'll, they'll feel okay, okay about. It. I hope so because yeah. I don't want to be. I mean, I had, you know, sometimes we had trouble doing certain things, and you know, or I did personally. But, like I said, I haven't seen anything, so I have mm-hmm. no idea what really is in it. But in certain cases, like when we went to the KKK rally, I have no problem. You're messing with the KKK, and, yeah, yeah. Of course. I have yeah. no problem. Yeah. And personally, I had no problem when we went to the Southern Republican Convention. Yeah. I have no problem. Yeah. I, I hate to be, like, political, but it's, it just didn't bother me. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple instances where I was like, mm, you know, just, but I don't know if they're going to be in it or not. But there were, yeah, the, the FBI kicked Andrea Savage out. Um <laughs> Of the Southern Republican Convention, because she act she threw up, <laughs> or fake threw up, uh-huh. but they didn't know that. Yeah. And I think I think I'm not sure, and I may get this wrong, but I think the line was before she throws up. I don't know why they call it a beaver. It looks more like a stingray. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think she throws up in front of a bunch of like rich Southern Republicans. Uh-huh. Um, 
but uh, yeah, we kind of we were uh, at this convention in Memphis and we're locked in this building. So we for three days we had to kind of be real cautious, mm-hmm. or at least two days we had to be real cautious of what we were doing. And then when we our most elaborate thing where we we're like, all right, get the vans rolling, mm-hmm. you know, we'd say for last. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a there's some of that. And then at the KKK rally, it got very uncomfortable because we were told by Dan Mazur, um, that there would be no guns there. Mm-hmm. Well, we show up, there's a Confederate flag, of course, and two two guys in militia outfits mm-hmm. with guns in their belts. Uh-huh. And we have to go do our little comedy bits, right. you know, in the middle of Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, it was very... Um, That's scary. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I actually wasn't... Oh, the plot line for that one was, which I think has changed. The plot line for that one was, uh, we were gonna go. We thought we were covering a state fair. We <laughs> end up at a KKK rally. Yeah. We really want to leave, but the hot dogs are really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we wrote it. Yeah. But once we got there, it was so underwhelming that there wasn't the KKK is so. It's not much of a presence at yeah. all. You would think that. I mean, we we outnumbered them, <laughs> the crew and the cast outnumbered yeah. the KKK. So we had to kind of change the storyline a little bit. Did that happen a lot, where uh, you you didn't you couldn't always control where what was going to happen when you got somewhere and you had to change? Yeah, it's like happened that. often. I mean, uh, Chris, we went to a Christian rock concert, and that's caused us a, a bit of trouble because uh, these guys are kind of media savvy, mm-hmm. and they don't you know they don't want to. They, they they don't want to agree to a certain interview interview and it was touch and go and yeah yeah that was a tough one to do the the Christian rock because we just had a hard time but I think we've got it now I think I think it's uh, almost edited cool uh, are you you probably don't know yet if you're going to do more of them right but uh, I have no idea um, do you want to are you did you have fun doing it I uh, it was so much fun because. Matt Walsh and Miles and Andrea, we were very good friends on it, yeah. and uh, Dan was quite fun to work with. Uh-huh. It was a hectic schedule, yeah. but I mean, some of the best belly laughs I've, and to me, that's like really worth it. But I do have a problem with this prank aspect of it. Yeah. Personally, I do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, it just depends if people take it okay and. Yeah, but it'll be hard to do again. It well, yeah, once people yeah, know. once like, people know. I mean, I'm hoping that it evolves into more of a regular, where it's more we have more control over it and we don't use real people as much. That's mm-hmm. really what I would like for it to be. But I mean, that we would laugh so hard, and sometimes we would laugh when we weren't supposed to. Yeah, which were the most fun. A lot of times we have seminars at the beginning of each episode mm-hmm. uh, where a, a, a racial. Uh, a racial sensitivity class right. will be taught to us, and we're so dumb yeah. that we, our characters are so dumb that we don't even know. Like my character, I, this is so dumb. I thought it was a facial sensitivity class. It's just the hor- it's a horrible joke. So there's a razor on the table. It's just so dumb. Um, but uh, so those seminars were so funny because you're you're locked in a in a banquet room usually, yeah. where, um. It's just one other person, and there we are saying the weirdest, dumbest things to them, and and a lot of times their reactions 
are so funny. Yeah. And Matt, Miles, and Andrea, they're very funny. So a lot of times things would just come up off the, that we hadn't written that mm-hmm. just was, you know, you know, off the cuff that would throw me, uh, that surprised me is really funny. Did it, did you ever lose the, like, d- did people re- go, oh, wait, you guys aren't for real because of that? Yeah. Uh, not because of that. Oh, or because of our bizarre questions. Not usually because of the laughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would laugh and then just regain our composure. I was yeah, the yeah. worst laugher. I really was horrible. <laughs> I, I mean, Dan would get mad at me. Yeah. But I really, I really, I think it keeps you young, the laughing. And, and uh, I, re- <laughs> I really, really am a big proponent of that. So I was the worst one. And Matt Walsh, especially, once I saw his face break. Yeah. I mean, just he, when he tries not to laugh, mm-hmm. it, his face contorts into this very, yeah. very funny face. <laughs> but, yeah, people would say, wait a minute, what is this? Yeah. Um, but we only once did someone go, this is a prank, get out of here. And that was uh, in Portland about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So you had to scrap all We went thing. to a woman's house who was a anger management person. Mm-hmm. Who got angry at us? <laughs> uh, she had a really bad attitude for an anger management person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right away she she's and good for her. I mean, I, I, look, I yeah. I'm on that person's side, really. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, thank God, I don't want to do that anyway. But we have to go do it again. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get people that you're like, you know, some people play along. Like when we went to Portland State University, to, we all gave a lecture to a classroom. Mm-hmm. I think the kids knew. Well, they must have recognized one of you they, or Matt. Uh, or the first question was, weren't you an anchor man to Matt? <laughs> that was the first question. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I get that a lot. And then we just kept going with it. Yeah. But since that was a possibility, yeah. I think the kids went along with it. And they were so good at it. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were getting paid also. We pay everybody. Oh, that's cool. It's not like right. we pay everybody. We did a thing last week that I, uh, in Portland that I had a... I didn't like doing, which was we had written this story where we were going to promote the anchor man who anchor uh, the reporter, which is Matt Walsh's character, mm-hmm. and so we were going to do a uh, report from a litter pickup. <laughs> yeah. So th- we found this these people that were picking up litter because they, they're actually called Solve. It's uh, you got the sticker right? Yeah, I got computer. the sticker on my computer. Working to preserve the, this treasure called Oregon. Which I don't think spells solve, but um, <laughs> doesn't sound like. Um, so we found this nice group of people who were picking up litter, mm-hmm. and uh, we drive up in our van. We're like, "Okay, let's film this quick," and it's just a PR piece for our for Matt's character. Yeah, and we're like, "Oh, there's not enough trash," <laughs> so we dump a bunch of trash. Yeah. And he does his report. We leave a ton of trash. We get in the van and we drive off. So we leave these people. Of course, we all donated money. I mean, we gave them money, but yeah. people could see that. Like, you know, it's 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 shocking to for right. people. But we go back and I mean, we didn't. The PAs went back <laughs> and picked up the trash. But uh, you know, I just I just these these wonderful people were picking up trash on their own time. And here comes this this show mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Right. You know, it's a pretty easy target. The easy yeah. targets I have a problem with. Right, right. But, uh, well, did, were you a fan of Ali G? Yes. And but but the difference is, that, though, he's often taking on people of power. True, yeah. And just that alone is is a big difference. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I really like that show a lot. Is Very that what, funny. I mean, were you just excited to work with Dan because of that? Uh-huh. I mean, Dan, yes, that was enough, I really, for me. And the audition process was really long. Oh, really? Very long. Um, it's kind of amazing that you ended up basically four people who you 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 kind of all knew each other. I mean, you definitely. Knew I knew Miles. everyone. Yeah, uh, I knew everyone. Uh, Miles and Matt knew each other. Miles and I went to college together at NC State, so I'd known Miles, and we both auditioned for the same part. Oh, really? And they couldn't make up their mind, so they gave it to both of us because mm-hmm. we kind of did two different characters. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really feels like one of the things that's exciting about the show for fans is that it's like, it's as much, like, it's got everybody you would want from the sort of community of of comedy that that sort of we're all obsessing about all the time on on a special thing. But uh, that doesn't happen that often. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing that it went through. I assume that Comedy Central was was involved in the casting too, right? Uh, no, they weren't at all. Oh, um, that's good. Because the Maybe show the show was originally for NBC. All oh, right, right. And right. I think Dan's attitude the whole time was. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't know. But um, Dan Dan just made a lot of the decisions, and thank uh-huh. God because uh, you know he kind of has a lot of control over the show and kind of ignores, I think some of those, those notes, mm-hmm. uh, and defends, you know, what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, that whole slogan, uh, it's that's, that's in the advertisements. It's called, uh, uh, dog bites, man. News travels fast unless there's traffic. Mm-hmm. That news travels fast unless there's traffic. We, we were like, no way. Do mm-hmm. not put that in there. It's a bad slogan. We don't like it. Yeah. Um, but, they did. They just did it anyway. I think just they just the promo department is not you know they don't know what they're doing. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, from what I've seen clips I've seen, it seems like that this might be the closest uh, to your stand up that I've seen. I mean, other than Late World, which was kind of you doing stand up and other stuff in a different format, but uh, it seems like there's a lot of you in 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 the show. Do you feel is that true? Yeah, I mean, um, we wrote our own characters, right. and we named our own characters, and um, Dan is very good at letting us do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Miles has been doing that character. The character he's doing, he's been doing it in New York for a while, mm-hmm. so he kind of came to the table with that. Mm-hmm. And I think the three of us just kind of figured it out while we were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's there's... I mean, when you write it yourself, it's a lot. Right. I mean, we had three other writers uh, um, that helped uh, a lot, but um, we uh, we wrote. You know, you write for your, yourself and for the other characters. It's nice. You have a lot more input. Right. Which I think more shows should do in general, anyway. Uh, even like sitcoms, it would be. A lot of times, I think people go in and the writers have written this stuff, and but again, people are just actors. We we kind of it's different for stand ups. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of times the most successful sitcoms are uh, when a comic uh, or a writer performer gets a show, and and that's what they do. They create the, or they do a version of themselves. And uh, Seinfeld, Roseanne, you know, it, it's kind of crazy that people don't try that more, more given the success that, that that's yeah. produced. Yeah. But I guess you know, then Friends is also successful. So you know, I guess you can make both. Yeah, I guess so. It. I don't know. We don't need to dwell on friends or anything. Uh, I actually want to get back to stand up before we uh, wrap this up because, uh, well, uh, 
first, I want to ask what 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 else do you have coming up? Uh, I'm assuming you're still gonna you know you're gonna be performing and touring and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, t- doing some shows in um, the South, mm-hmm. and I'm going to Ireland to do this music festival with uh, like block parties performing and um, the yeah yeah yeahs. Mm-hmm. And that'll be fun. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I just, while well, I'm not shooting this thing, I'm just gonna go do stand up. Go live, uh, I live in North, I have a place in North Carolina that I am gonna go and have a farm there that I'm trying to make into a writer's retreat slash hippie. <laughs> I don't know what I want it to be. I just want it, I don't know, uh, but I've got this place that I'm trying to like groom into a. Uh, a farm where uh-huh. a bunch of pe- where people can come and um, hang out and think and try to figure either their own personal writing stuff out or maybe um, maybe even use it as a political place where people can come and share ideas and stuff. That's kind of my goal outside of stand up mm-hmm. is to have this place where like minded people can kind of come and. Uh, uh, Try to change the world. <laughs> cool. Uh, do, you, is, are, are, do you have other people involved with that already? Or no, um, no, I don't. I mean, I just got it uh, uh, less than a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, bought a tractor. It's forty-five acres, so I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go groom the land. And um, I mean, my first goal is to have a little small music festival, mm-hmm. and I mean, really small, and just have some people that I know maybe come perform and camp out and mm-hmm. then eventually maybe add another stru- I have a there's a building there's a house on it already so and then maybe build another structure and then uh, you know uh, it's going to be a multi-purpose place if I if I could figure it out yeah I I, I might not do anything with it but grow pot <laughs> <laughs> alright um, I want to talk a little bit about your uh your comedy style, I guess, or your your ideas, or, or sort of what you—I don't know if you think about that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, you're sort of some people, I think, think of you as the sort of Stephen Wright of this your generation. Maybe do you think of that at all, or do you think about that? I'm going to tell you what uh, Andy Kindler told me I was okay um, two nights ago. The thinking man's Pauly Shore. <laughs> And the reason I'm telling you that because I just ruined his joke because he's been dying to say that while I'm sharing a stage with him. Uh-huh. So uh, I just ruined it for him. Um, <laughs> and it's very funny to me. No, I don't know. Steve, I, no, I... I mean, Stephen Wright might not be quite right. Steve, I, I don't know because, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just kind of... I think I'm more... Um, less disciplined than he is. I mean, he mm-hmm. has that, that thing that he does so well and... I, I I can do I can I kind of do you know jokes and stuff, but Stephen Wright stands there with a microphone and he's talented enough just to do that. Yeah. I think that that uh, I get bored with doing like I kind of have stopped playing the piano as much because it's limiting, mm-hmm. um, because it just kind of sets me into that monotone thing. When um, I don't know, it's just whatever comes to mind i'll write it down and then you know test it out and sometimes it works oftentimes yeah. it doesn't well i guess that actually that's n- now that we're talking about it i realize that's only kind of half of the equation with, with your comedy because there's 
you do a lot of joke writing and then there's a lot of stuff outside the joke writing that sort of lets that there's there's the structure and then there's the the rest of the stuff that kind of lets everything breathe where you're just kind of being silly or having fun or amusing yourself maybe while you're i think more so than (laughs) yeah hopefully in the best case scenario you're amusing yourself and others oh right oh yeah Uh, the others (laughs) the audience um but uh so is that just is that just your mo when you go up there is to just like do whatever that makes you that, that you think is funny like find a way to have fun um i don't think about it that too much i just kind of go up with things jotted down on a piece of paper that mm-hmm. i have done before or haven't done um and um i, I don't really have a way to do it i, I don't mm-hmm. i mean i just I, you get to a point where and even if it's lying to yourself like in my case mm-hmm. You, I think you lie to yourself that you, and then you develop this confidence, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, a lot of it is is just not being sh- not your legs not shaking on stage. Right. My legs used to shake on stage, and oh, now really? they don't anymore. So a lot of it is that, and just feeling comfortable. It's like having p- people at a dinner party, and you know, you holding court. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of having that. Uh, I guess it's almost being rude uh, <laughs> and, very, and quite narcissistic to think that you, but people are there to see you. So, I mean, uh, so I, I just, you know, I write things down and I don't really know, have a science to it. But when I go do like a proper show and I have 10 minutes to do or something like that, and if it's on TV, then you kind of, unfortunately, you have to, you know, if you go do Conan O'Brien, you do your your jokes right. and, you know, you're very... Here they are, everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't really go off on a tangent, right. uh, which I wish you could. I think Bill Hicks did it a while back at the Letterman Show, and then, he, but um, yeah, I don't have a set. But starting out, did you were you uh, what what was your did you write jokes before you ever went on stage, or did you go up kind of like? No, I was when I first started. I had you know you work on the same jokes over mm-hmm. and over, and then. You'd add a, a new one here and there. Um, no, I had set jokes. I used to write them on the back of a beer bottle, and because I could never remember them, I still can't. And then you just recite them, and then from there you evolve, and then you can kind of go off uh, on your own and kind of be more comfortable. And mm-hmm. if that you know entails talking to an audience or something more spontaneous. And then you feel more comfortable doing that. At least that was the case for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that doesn't come. I mean, some people have that. I think automatically they they have confidence, and I'm always amazed by that. It really amazes me. I, I that's I think it's a super thing. I just I never had it, and then it just takes it took a while to 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 get that. And I still I really don't even have it. It's uh, it's just kind of a tongue in cheek. Confidence, I think. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, you've been doing it probably well over ten years. Ten now. years, yeah. ten years, I think. Yeah. And uh, and it, do you feel like it's just like something you love so much and you just have to do it that you're able to overcome your your sort of uh, in, I don't know. I don't want to say insecurity, but like your your maybe there's some fear of. Well, I don't really have fear anymore. I don't have a nervousness uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, 
Mike, I think often the audience is just wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, but, um, yeah, I think there's a point where you reach in any kind of performance or, you know, I mean, I'm sure Itzhak Perlman had the, the same. I'm, I'm off, I often bring up Itzhak Perlman. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that he had nerves maybe and then it was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, just, you just do what yeah. you think's funny. And then some people like, it's like music to me. I don't really have a, uh, I mean, I have a snobbery. I, I don't, obviously, I don't like certain comedy. But to me, it's like, you know, some people like um, Nickelback. Right. Uh, and then some people like Creed. <laughs> no, There's uh, a whole spectrum yeah. of what you're saying. No, I just, you know, it just, I, you just do what you think is good and people like it or they don't like it. To me, sometimes it can be as simple as that. Right. But you, you hope to entertain people. You don't, I don't want to, you don't want to go out and go, oh, fuck, fuck the, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really good. You know, it's not, I don't think it's about that. It's, it's like having confidence in yourself to go, oh, yeah, this could, I could see this be, I think it's funny. I can try to make it so other people maybe see it's funny. Right. Know. You've got, you, you're trying to, pull people around to your way of thinking a little bit maybe yeah i think that's the the anybody that um is trying to communicate something there's a there's a salesmanship to it i guess there's mm-hmm. a uh you know i mean the the, the w- <laughs> you know we're all traveling salesmen in the <laughs> in the comedy world unfortunately i'm the product <laughs> i've always said i always feel like you know if i had some shampoo to sell or something it'd be a lot easier <laughs> right or maybe like some possum deterrent for your garden <laughs> but it's me and you know uh that's that's basically what it is it's like hey look what i have to say do you want to buy into it you don't okay i understand <laughs> i get it i can understand that you don't like it i don't even get it either but uh some people do yeah cool well, that's a good, I think that's a good place to stop. Okay, um, thanks. I want to thank you for uh, doing this today, Zach. I appreciate it. I'm uh, very, uh, very uh, pleased to have you, and I uh, want to say that, Matt, you do wonders for the comedy community. As much as I like to make fun of uh, I want, sometimes when I'm doing those shows, uh, the, the <laughs> computer guys, yeah. um, it's a very good thing. It's oh, very good. Thank you. That's uh, that's nice of you to say. I don't know if I mentioned at the top that this is the season finale of uh, of AST Radio. We're going to take a little hiatus, um, so uh, I will not see you next week. But uh, we will be back at some point, and uh, I thought this would be a good way to go out uh, with uh, one of the favorite. Actually, you were the number one comic. You, I, I don't know. <laughs> you act you act like you don't follow that really, but you must have. Oh no, I know. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I, I knew that, and I wanted. I yes, I'm very flattered by it. Um, and uh, I, I would, I would, I kind of think that might be fixed. But then I know that I would have to be in charge of the thing fixing it, you know, the person. And I just, I don't, I. There's no way I would have. But that's very flattering. I mean, it's just. But you know what? It's, it's actually, it's all. It's almost like having oil in your country. <laughs> I don't want oil in my country. It, it only, all it does is it causes. I've noticed that Andy Kendler's been a little bit more meaner to me, even though we're having dinner tonight at his house. There's an animosity, I think, that he he likes to he likes to uh, pull me to the side now and and like get, do little digs at me, which I love. I think it's hilarious. But 
when you're uh, when you're number one like me, <laughs> <laughs> the people don't. Li- I've al- I've often I've said once, and I, I think it was I said the reason people like Andy Kendler so much is because he's not successful, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you don't want you never want to be that uh, that that one spot because then it's you know then you're oh well. But it is very flattering. There's nowhere to go but down, maybe. Uh, I guess, unless you do it, do can you go to zero or negative one? <laughs> you might be. I don't know if it's possible that you could take yourself out of it somehow. I don't think you can. I don't re- actually. I honestly don't run it. So uh, who, who, oh, you don't run it. Who no, runs it? No, a guy named Mark uh, runs the AST poll, and uh, yeah, so I can vouch for its legitimacy. He's very uh, above board. Um, well, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. I mean, look, he's the number one guy. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, it is. It is the. Uh, it's the uh, I think it's uh, it's the equivalent of the uh, actress on the front of Vanity Fair as the next big thing. Right. The number one. Or no, it's Sports Illustrated, isn't it? If they if they no, it's what well, you're, you're talking about. Uh, the Madden, the video game. Anytime they put somebody on the cover of the Madden video game, they like have an injury. <laughs> oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, but you, it's uh, it's very flattering. It's very flattering. But then you, your Just friends don't get injured. That's right. That's all you have to uh, do. Or uh, you know, I mean. You can become not funny again. I think you can become like you just lose it. I mean, I've all, my career. My career is almost. It's it's got maybe two more years to it, and then that <laughs> that is it. It was a nice run, and uh, I mean, I'm very like, oh god, this could end. But um, we'll see. What would you do then? Uh, I've always wanted to be a uh, Rob Trains. <laughs> I've always wanted to be like um, like an old timey. But like the uh, the wealthy part of the car, I wouldn't right. want to uh, uh, like a Robin no Robin Hood type uh, mm-hmm. where I wear a uh, I don't know if it'd be maybe a, a ski mask over a Nixon mask, <laughs> which kind of defeats the point. <laughs> uh, but um, and just go on the trains and be very polite about it. Like, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, can you please put your wallets in the you know in the aisle? <laughs> and I'll pick them up. And if you don't, I'm going to blow your heads off. <laughs> um, I, I think there's something romantic about that. Yeah. If not that, then a botanist. Mm-hmm. That a, that's a person, right? I think they study plants. underwater plants, maybe. I think it's just or plants. Or just, just plants. Yeah. <laughs> it would be I was underwater. just going to say underwater, and then you said plants, and I thought I'd throw plants on top of it just in case. No, it's I, just uh, plants. Anyway, but uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, uh, again, uh, thank you for doing it. And uh, I uh, guess that's as good a place to end as any. I'm going to cut that part. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, thanks again. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you on the board. Hello. Hey, singer. Who's this? Clarice or Roberta? This is Clarice. Oh, what's up, Clarice? What do you need? I want to come on over there and get some of that sweet love. Oh, so you want to come over and get it? Yeah, I definitely want to come over and get it. So what you're saying is that perhaps you might want to come over and get it. 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 Hello, everybody. Yeah, putting on my Axe Body Spray with my turtleneck on. Sucking it off 2006 style. Just taking the wrapper off the lollipop. Ready to suck it off. It's Friday night. 
And it's time to party Keep with the beat Don't be retarded Put on the pants My mama gave me Hoping tonight That the dance club will save me Forgot my watch But it doesn't even matter Cause I'm staying out all night Gonna spray my baby batter Spot me a hottie Sitting in the corner I walk across the room and say Girl, I gotta warn you If you show me your fanny pack I'll show you my fanny If you show me your fanny pack I'll show you my fanny If you want me to get with you There's only one thing You've gotta do Come on and get it Your lucky day, she stopped her cigarette On the floor, she looked so damn hot I couldn't take it anymore I told her again that I wanted to get up in them guts But first things first, I will show you my butts In Great Britain, Fanny is slang for vagina But don't be confused, vaginas are the same all over the world If you show me your Fanny back I'll show you my fanny If you show me your fanny back I'll show you my fanny If you show me your fanny back I'll show you my fanny If you show me your fanny back I'll show you my fanny If you want me to get with you There's only one thing you've gotta do Make sure that you put a wrapper over that thing. Yeah. 